We've been hearing a lot about June being declared LGBTQ Pride Month by the president and major corporations are getting into that too with special products celebrating pride. But when you think about it, doesn't the Bible tell us that true love does not boast and it's not proud? So is pride a virtue we should really be exalting as a nation? Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, and I'm joined today by our president, Victoria Cobb. Well, our nation just celebrated Father's Day. Tell us how this usually works in your house, Victoria. Well, usually we set aside the day to be with Matt and we give him gifts and we just kind of hang out and celebrate, you know, and thank him for what he is in our household. But this year it didn't work so well on the day because he was in uh, Florida with one of our children on a volleyball tournament. So we had to celebrate late. Now, I heard about this ingenious thing you came up with where you can make it a gift to actually take something off his dad to-do list, right? Yeah, so, I mean, this has become sort of a joke in our house where one year, I could, you know, I, he's hard to buy for. I couldn't figure out what to get him, and I thought, the guy absolutely hates to paint rooms, and I have four or five rooms that are on our list of rooms that need to be painted, and he had this to-do list, and it just it never moved, and I figured, you know what, that's because he hates it, so for... Father's Day, I purchased somebody professional to come in and take a room off of that list. And um, he laughed so hard when I gave it to him because, of course, I create the honey-do list. He could care less, apparently, whether they're ever painted. So he found it hysterical that I would pay somebody to basically accomplish my list. Um, but now that has become quite a joke and quite a tradition. And he tells me, what are you buying yourself this year for Father's Day? Yeah, because that's brilliant. You accomplished two-in-one there. You took something off. And got something for yourself, a professionally painted room. I love it. I mean, I didn't intend to have bad motives. I really intended to take something that he hated and get it done for him. But it does sound very selfish in the end, I admit. And every year as he jokes about it, I feel a little tinge of guilt or like a little like, oh, maybe that was not the right gift. But he's hard to buy for. Right. Well, to get into our topic today, it does seem like everywhere you turn, there's something about LGBTQ Pride Month. I mean, we were in the grocery store the other day. We saw a purple and rainbow-colored cereal box encouraging people to experiment with pronouns. It had a little pronoun activity on the side of the box. I've seen the Lego set celebrating Pride Month and even saw a Play With Pride Rainbow Uno card set. Yeah, I guess you could say Rainbow Pride is the new black. When it comes to this and the month of June, it is just that it's coming now, not just from a few places, but it's coming from our presidential administration all the way down and into all of the largest Fortune 500 companies. But we've been having an interesting discussion here at the Family Foundation about whether pride is really the virtue we should be exalting and uniting around as a nation. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to think about when you start trying to, to process this in biblical terms. I'm, I'm just going to start by saying I drove by a company sign the other day. It said, be loud, be proud, be you. And then if you start thinking about all the verses about pride in the Bible, it's not a good thing. You know, it's, I mean, I, it's a cardinal sin, really. Um, but just to look at this one way, if you think about Philippians 2, instead of be proud, it says, in humility, consider others better than yourself. Yeah, and that same chapter goes on to say that we should be like Jesus. And then it says, who in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he himself became nothing, taking on the nature of a servant. And so it's it's literally telling us that even though they were that he was God, he lowered himself. It's like the absolute antithesis of everything that we're seeing. And it says he lowered himself even to, even to death, death on the cross. I mean, you can't think of a, a more lowly stature. Right. I mean, let's just pause right there for a moment and think about that. 
what is it we're being constantly told by this culture that we've got to fight for our rights we've got to fight for respect and equality and here's jesus saying that he didn't even consider being equal to god he was equal to god himself and he wasn't even taking that into consideration when he's going to his death on the cross yeah, and I love that scripture that you referenced in the opening of this show from Corinthians that points out that true love is not proud, does not boast. I mean, that the whole thing about the rainbow with the LGBT movement, it's supposed to be about love. And yet we get the definition of love in Corinthians and it says it's not pride. You know, another thing that's interesting to think about, too, from a scriptural perspective is when Jesus gives us the Beatitudes and he says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He doesn't say, blessed are those who are proud in spirit. You know, so it's the exact opposite. And it's just kind of interesting that he wants us to have, to feel like we are needy in spirit, not that we have it all already in ourselves and our identity. That's the entire point. We're supposed to be um, reliant on God, not all about ourselves. In fact, there's verses about that I, that I may become less, that he may become more and I may become less. That's the whole point. Well, when you think about it, if you were going to measure the health of our nation in terms of morality, this is not really a good sign that we are now making pride the height of what we want to celebrate. Not only that, but it's a whole lucrative industry in our corporations. We're making money off pride. So that should be a pretty big flashing red signal to us that we are going down the wrong path as a nation morally if we've reached this point. Yeah, and you just have to remember that the, oh, the problem with pride is you're making yourself God. You have pulled God out of the picture and you are king. And that's so consistent with what we see in this country, which is so devastating. And I think it makes God grieve. Thanks for tuning in. If you're just now joining us for Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. For more information about us or the topics we're addressing, you can visit familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. Okay, I've also been thinking about what a contrast it is, you know, with us talking about how we're essentially celebrating pride in this country, something that God says he opposes. He opposes those who are proud. And what a contrast that is to these moments that we see in the Old Testament when we see people just hearing the word of God, sometimes for the first time, and they immediately react with humility and start weeping. I mean, instead of celebrating, they were mourning. And just to throw out a couple of examples, uh, in Second Kings, we are told the story of Josiah, who is restoring the temple. And during that restoration, they come across this dusty, old, neglected copy of God's word. And he asked for it to be read to him. And his immediate reaction is to start weeping. Um, that, that seems like kind of a contrast to the whole celebrating thing. Yeah, I mean, what's interesting here is that you have to think about is, is what's really happening is it's not usual for people to just automatically begin weeping. That's got to be conviction coming from the Holy Spirit of a moment of, of hearing what is true and then being convicted about where you are in relationship to that truth. Yeah, and another great example of that exact uh, thing that you just pointed out is uh, in Nehemiah. I think yeah, it was right before they start rebuilding the wall. Uh, Ezra comes out and reads the word of God to the people and again they're hearing it and they start weeping that is the conviction of the Holy Spirit so I know a lot of us are praying for redemption in our culture and I think we need to start with asking how can people be convicted to the point where they just feel this conviction and the sorrow and the rep true repentance how can we get back to that place as a, as a nation where that's our reaction when we hear God's truth 
Well, that's the thing. We can't look at culture around us and point fingers and be angry about it. We have to look at ourselves in relationship to what God is calling the church to do. That's really where it comes down to is God, the, the restoration we want to see has to start with the prayer, fasting, and conviction felt in the church. And then we act based on that. Then we step up and actually engage our culture from that place. I always, I always think as I watch, uh, particularly when I watched the, the, the riots that were on the streets over the racial issues and things, and I, I always sat there and thought this is a secular reaction to something that does grieve people's hearts. And, I, you know, anytime there's real racism, God's heart is grieved. But I sit there and think, what if the church had been the one stepping up and engaging that in a Christ-like manner out of a place of humility saying, we haven't done this right, let's, let's get better? So it's both not being afraid to speak the truth in our churches, but also getting out there and taking the lead in our in our culture where there's real needs is that we kind of need both approaches right oh yeah it's not just speaking truth it's doing and coming up with solutions to where we have true areas that need turnaround well i think one thing that is interesting to think about as we're thinking about speaking truth there are all these scriptures in the proverbs about speaking up for those who cannot speak for themselves like proverbs 31a and that gets into this whole idea of justice And the idea that we actually as Christians are um, given the role by God in the Bible, the biblical role of speaking up, of being the voices for justice. And it's not a role that should be surrendered to a billion dollar abortion industry that says they're speaking up for women or marijuana industry that says they're they're speaking up for equity. That that should be the role of the church and, and us, the body of Christ. Yeah, that absolutely. And when you think about who is the most vulnerable, who do we need to speak up for? It's the unborn. It's, you know, it's it's people who are being persecuted because of their faith. I mean, there are, there are people that need voices for them in our society. And as you said, the church is the one called to do that. And we need to not abdicate that responsibility and think government's going to do it for us or some, yeah, or some outside uh, organization that actually has harm in mind would be there to speak for us. And really, it's just about us being aware of and feeling that responsible uh, call to step in and engage. Yeah, and like you said, look what happens when we leave that void and people speak up from an entirely secularist perspective. That's where we get violence, um, you know, things that are not peaceful. I do want to mention one way that we are equipping people to speak up right where they are and speak up for kids. And that is our Protect Every Kid campaign. I don't know if everybody's aware of it that's hearing our program right now, but there is heavy pressures on school boards across the state to adopt this transgender issue policy coming from the Capitol, coming from Richmond, um, trying to be forced on their school, whether it reflects what their parents and kids need or not. Yeah, and the campaign is designed to encourage school boards to resist that, to get community leaders like moms to stand up and speak and feel comfortable saying this isn't for our community. We want to protect every kid, not just kids um, that are isolated in this policy, but we want to be loving and be um, aggressive at protecting innocence, the hearts, bodies, and minds of all of our students. And that's what it's all about. And you can do that. You know, If if somebody wants to know about this, they can go to our website at familyfoundation.org, go to the Protect Every Kids slider at the top or you can just go straight to that site at familyfoundation.org slash protect every kid well it's that time again time for our inconceivable moments award where we're featuring examples of the absolute lunacy and craziness that happens when cultural leaders try to give guidance completely apart from biblical principles and we're calling this the liberals most inconceivable moments award 
Inconceivable! You know, a while back we talked about how right around Mother's Day of all things, abortion advocates and left-wing politicians started using this new term, birthing people. They're apparently referring to pregnant women, I guess saying mom is offensive now? Yeah, they're, they're now back at it again. This birthing people terminology has appeared in one of President Biden's latest budget proposals. It's actually addressing a very serious topic of female deaths related to pregnancy and how that, dis that disproportionately impacts ethnic groups. But it's referring to it as, quote, outcomes among birthing people. Well, we talked about before how they try to justify using this term by saying it's inclusive of transgender identified people. But in reality, you're, you're degrading women when you can't even acknowledge the uni uniqueness that they have of being able to have a child. I mean, essentially, I really feel like you're erasing them when you start taking women out of the whole equation of our vocabulary if you cannot even talk about the reality of them giving birth. But I have to say that Senator Langford did a great job of exposing that whole absurdity. Yeah, that's right. He was asking the Secretary of Health and Human Services to explain why the administration was replacing the word mothers with the term birthing people. And it quickly became clear that Secretary Becerra didn't have a logical explanation. Let's listen in. But would you at least admit calling a mom a birthing person could be offensive to some moms uh, that they don't want to get like a happy birthing person card in May or... I mean, can you at least admit that that term itself could be offensive to some moms? Senator, I'll, I'll go back and take a look at the, the, the terminology that was used, and, and I can get back to you. But again, if, we, if we're trying to be precise in, in the language that's used. Mom's a pretty good word. That's, that's worked for a while, and I think that's pretty precise as well. Okay, I love when Senator Langford pointed out that it seems like they would just be happy if we just had happy birthing day instead of Mother's Day. But at least Father's Day is safe for now, right? I hope so. I guess this means we need to give this week's inconceivable award to Secretary Becerra and the entire Biden administration for continuing the real war on women, the effort to erase women and moms from the English language. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together.